Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Uh, let's see, I see you checking in on the chat. Those of you watching live, uh, we've got Karen, Gus and Eileen, Mom, all on Facebook. Uh, Vicky is on YouTube. Uh, greetings to all of you, uh, those of you who watch live, those of you who watch later in the day. It's good to have you with us. Um, the hymn that you just heard was composed by Kevin Hildebrand with the text by Stephen Starkey. It was uh, written in celebration of the 150th anniversary of Concordia Publishing House. And uh, you heard a setting from 2019. And so, uh, yeah, it was a hymn written to celebrate their anniversary. It's got a lovely text to it. So I can send this. Be good for a mission festival, installation, or ordination. And there it is. I'll link to it there. And you can go, um, if you want to listen to it again later in the day, we've got the link. All right. Today uh, is Friday. And uh, we're going to consider today, actually, the nature of temptation. Right? We've been talking about that quite a bit as we've looked through commandments one through six. So it makes sense for us to uh, consider it more broadly, and we'll do that by considering the temptation of our Lord. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Mark 10, verses 6 through 8. And our psalm, Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, fifth commandment, you shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and um, support him in every physical need. Sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we, do not, so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. All right. First, a reading from Genesis 1 and 2. 
Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. All right. So uh, the story of the beginning and uh, of man and of wife, of course, this is... um, the foundation upon which Jesus himself confessed there in Mark 10, in our memory verse, um, how it was from the beginning, and how it uh, remains to the present, despite all our attempts to undo what God has given. All right. Speaking of of undoing what God has given, um, our reading for catechesis today, then, is from Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Okay, so um, this comes right on the heels of the end of chapter 3 of Matthew's Gospel, which is the account of Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan by John, right? So immediately after being baptized, he was, where did Jesus go, I should say? Yeah, he went into the wilderness. Um, But who led him there? Or as St. Luke says, who drove him there? The Holy Spirit. Right, so we have wilderness, and what what happens in the wilderness? Well, what is the purpose of being going into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? You see how Jesus willingly enters into that work. How long did Jesus fast? Forty days and 
40 nights. That should sound familiar. With some other significant uh, periods of 40. Can you come up with, a, with any? There's quite a few Old Testament texts that have to do with 40. All right, well, two in particular come to mind for me. Uh, one, of course, is the flood that um, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. All right. Of course, the flood was longer than that. It was like a year and a month, I think, before they were able to get out of the boat. Um, and then also Israel, connected to the wilderness, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Yes, Moses. Very good, Chris. That's right. So we see Jesus inverting um, Israel, being the new Israel, if you like. All right, so then who comes to Jesus? Here he's named, said, uh, be tempted by the devil, but here, verse 3, he's called the tempter. Vicky asked this question. I think it's helpful before we get too far in. Does the Holy Spirit ever drive us to temptation or only to trials? Um, so remember your catechism, lead us not into temptation, is the uh, Lord's Prayer petition. Uh, Luther reminds us um, that the Lord tempts no one, right? And then he articulates the three tempters are the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh, right? Which do not want us to hallow God's name, nor let his kingdom come. So, um, no, does the Spirit drive us into temptation? No, not in the same way. Um, So, what's the difference between temptation and trial? Temptation uh, is to lead one into sin. So, this is the work of the devil, the world, and our flesh, to lead us away from faith in Christ. Trials are the opposite, they don't lead us away from faith in Christ. They drive us further into faith in Christ. So um, suffering, pain, misery, um, loss, um, grief, all sorts of manners of suffering. These are not to drive, they, God does not allow us to experience these things to drive us away from faith, but rather to drive us further in. Of course, the notable Old Testament story about this, all 40-some chapters of it, is the book of Job, right? And it, it is torturous to read, Um and it does seem that God is torturing Job, but and Job even kind of flirts with the idea that maybe God has forsaken him, and yet um, he remains faithful even, even as it seems unto death. I know that my Redeemer lives, and on the last I will see him. My eyes shall be see him, and behold another. How my heart faints within me, right? Okay. So, yes, um, Temptation would lead one to sin. Trials lead one to faith. That would be the distinction I would make for you. Right? Uh, yeah, Grace says, reading Job now, it is hard to read. Yeah, uh, break it up, chapter a day, you know, because <laughs> otherwise, whew, it's rough. It is rough. All right, so, um, so again, the name here used is not uh, the devil or Satan, but the tempter. Uh, why do you think this name is used? Here, I think you should think of um, Genesis 3, right, where the devil tempts Eve in the garden, all right? And so that there, the emphasis is on the work. So the name um, emphasizes the work, diabolos, deceiver, satanos, um, tempter, right? All ways of, of emphasizing the work of this uh, fallen angel known as the devil. Uh, there's probably some other New Testament use that we should consider uh, when it comes to Satan. Um, Matthew, or excuse me, yeah, Matthew 16, um, and this is where it's going to get interesting, right? Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and tempted him, parodsentas, right, tested him, 
and asked um, that he show them a sign from heaven. That should sound familiar. The Pharisees and Sadducees tested him and asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Hmm. All right. Pharisees and Sadducees. That's not the devil. But, right. Um, Later on in Matthew 19, uh, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him, saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Uh Uh-huh. You see, who are they mimicking here? Uh, The deceiver, the tempter, right? And then again, Jesus, perceiving their wickedness, um, said to them, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax tax money, right? Hypocrites. Uh, Later on, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? All right. This is all in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 6, and lead us not into temptation, of course, so God tempts no one. Um, But then Matthew 26. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah. So the Pharisees and Sadducees take the role of uh, the tempter later on in the narrative and test Jesus, asking him um, to show them a sign or to kind of catch him in his words. Chris says, if it is his words, not believing who the Lord is. Yes. All right. Um, so why why this term, if you are the son of God? Why begin with the with that question? What's the temptation here in particular? It's not simply just to feed his belly, although that's true, but it's if you are the Son of God, right? So he wants Jesus not to believe his Father's words, which we had just heard at the end of chapter 3 at his baptism. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, right? So right away, the first line of temptation is to deny that word that the Father had spoken of Jesus. Um. Why the reference to stones and bread, obviously, but stones? What is it with stones? There's stones all over in, in Matthew's gospel. Uh, we don't have to look at all of them. Chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 7, chapter 21, chapter 24, chapter 27, chapter 28. All right. You know, not one stone will be left upon another. Upon this rock I will build my church, etc. Stones have no life in them by their nature, but Christ, as the stone, has come to bring life to men who are nothing but dead stones themselves, right? So then think of like First Peter, that we are being built up as living stones because we are built on Christ, the rock. All right, so why is bread part of the first temptation? Now, this is Satan's, um, I'd say, easiest line of attack because it's our um, attacking the weakness of our flesh, right? The temptation in the garden, Genesis 3, had to do with food, right? saw that it was um, a delight to the eyes and good for food, right? That's Eve's assessment of the fruit, Adam and Eve's, really, Adam's. And um, then also you see like in Exodus, you see the temptations of Israel in the wilderness had to do with food as well, right? Often involved food. We loathe this worthless food. And then he sent fiery serpents among them, as we heard on Wednesday night, all right? Here, how does Jesus respond to the tempter? Right? Again, a lesson for us. He responds by quoting scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? That's a significant quotation um, because at the first temptation, as it is with Jesus' first temptation, Adam and Eve rejected the word of God in order to seek life from the words of the tempter and from earthly food, right? From the tree. 
but but it's really rejecting God's word for another word, right? Okay. Uh, and then this passage, this passage Jesus quoted um, is found in Deuteronomy chapter eight. In the context of Deuteronomy chapter eight, so this is all I've said this many times, but it's it's always worth repeating. I think that when when Jesus or an apostle or or just the evangelist quotes scripture, they want you to think about the whole broader context. So this is uh, when Moses came down, and um, let's see what has just happened. Yeah, he he's speaking to them um, all the words that God had spoken to him on the mountain, right? And he says, uh, for example, in Deuteronomy eight verse three, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, right? So it's in the context of how they had failed to rely upon God's word um, and and to eat the manna with with joyful hearts, uh, which was given to them by the word of the Lord, um, but rather were looking to other words and to uh, their hungry bellies. All right, we have the second temptation, which is to go up onto the uh, holy city, which is the temple in the holy city. Jerusalem is the holy city, yeah. And here he, he, the devil, tempts Jesus to throw himself down from the highest point of the temple, all right? And note what he does here. He quotes Psalm 91, uh, verses 11 through 12. Um, Psalm 91 is actually a very powerful psalm. It's worth, again, going, seeing how the devil misuses it, of course, but you go and look to the, uh, the whole context of the psalm. Um, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Nor shall you be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Right? So it's the Lord who is your refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. Right? So, uh, what's being talked about in this psalm, again, it's Psalm 91, is that God will deliver those who love him, that is, trust in him for their salvation, when they are under attack by the devil. And here, the devil inverts that and says that it can be used in a way to bring attack against God. Again, Jesus quotes a response. So, notice the devil is a false preacher, even quoting God's word. Um, now, he responds with Deuteronomy 6, again, from the same context as the last uh, quotation in verse 4. Uh, this is Moses's address when he comes down from Sinai. You shall not tempt the Lord your God, is what he quotes. Um, I got some more 40s, actually, because we have 40 days, 40 nights. 40 lashes of Jesus. Elijah walked for 40 days. Goliath yelled at the Israelites for 40 days, twice a day. Yeah, beautiful. Lots of 40s. Uh, of course, 40 then is connected to um, to trial, to tribulation, to temptation, right? And to judgment. Seems to be a number of that, which is why Lent is 40 days, minus the Sundays. All right, then we have the third temptation, and this time it's the holy mountain, right? Um, It showed them all the kingdoms of the world, not holy mountain, high mountain, excuse me, all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, so the whole known world, and promised that he would give them to Jesus if he would fall down and worship him. And here we have the same kind of uh, response Jesus gives to Peter when he... uh, Peter tempts Jesus to betray uh, the work that the Father had given him to do. Get behind me, Satan, right? Away with you, Satan. And here, for you shall um, you shall worship 
the Lord your God and him only sh- you shall serve, right? Again, with Peter, uh, Peter's trying to get Jesus not to go be crucified, go to Jerusalem, be crucified. That'll happen in Matthew 16, all right? Um, so there, Peter is tempting Jesus in the same way that Satan did back in chapter 4, in this chapter. Again, attempting Jesus to get Jesus to turn away from the path appointed to him by the Father. That's what temptation is, is to turn away from the path, right? So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, um, he's describing um, the path that he has set before us, which is the way of the cross, which is uh, really the way of the law, right? Um, but but within that, then, of course, there is forgiveness, because without forgiveness, no one no one can stay on the path. All would turn astray, like like lost sheep, right? Here again, he quotes Deuteronomy, the same address from Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 6. So when Chris said uh, way back earlier in the chat, um, 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness with Moses, um, Jesus' own rebuttal of Satan comes with the words of Moses given in the wilderness at Sinai. So you can't help but see that this story is, again, an inversion of the rebellion of Israel now with Jesus being the faithful Israel um, and the new Moses in a way. Um, and in that context, or what did he what did he say? Yes, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Um, this is the Lord reminding Israel not to forget that he is the one who delivered them. Chris says, so thankful Jesus knew the knowledge of what the devil is, because we didn't. Yeah. Um, we, we're pretty good at, at ignoring our own complicity um, in wrongdoing and evil and sin, rebellion against God's word, the way that we are personally responsible for that. Um, but we're also just, I think, just as good as at ignoring the where temptation comes from. So we'll abstract it as much as we can. Well, the devil, but we forget that the devil works through liars and lying, right? So he has, of course, his demonic host, but that he also holds men captive to um, his lies, right? So that we can hear demonic uh, words, that is, um, words of deceit from any number of people, even people in authority, family, friends, etc. Those lies can come from any kind of angle. And of course, then that's why the world is described by Luther, again, in the um, petition of the Lord's Prayer, deliver us, um, is it deliver us from evil or is it lead us not into temptation? Probably both of them, right? That the world, um, because it has gone after um, the lies of the devil and its corruption to sin, uh, then also serves as a form of temptation, right? And um, I think in this regard, Pilgrim's Progress gets it gets it right. Uh, uh, Pastor Riley and I, when we when we read through Pilgrim's Progress on uh, bands band books, we weren't always the most charitable <laughs> uh, to Mister Bunyan, but that's okay. Uh, in this regard, um, he he shows in in many ways, I think, throughout the book, that the path that that the Lord has set before us is not the easy way. It's the narrow gate. It's the um, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than for um, for any of us to go through into the heavenly kingdom, right? And that there are temptations all along the way um, to to go astray, right? So yes, I think you're right um, that we, uh, well, what he's doing here is actually by being driven by his spirit into the wilderness to be tempted is he's revealing um, the tempter's tactics to us, right? So that we aren't unaware, but that we are fully aware of how tem- and how and where and when temptation comes, all right? Uh, and then finally, when the devil leaves after the three temptations, not surprising it's three, uh, is that the angels come and minister to Jesus, which is beautiful, right? Um, because the devil had tempted him um, 
to command the angels to watch over him in a sense, or to, to tempt the Lord to send the angels. But now, um, in his faithfulness, the angels do come and minister to him. Angels are messengers. We don't know who these were, but they came and spoke words of comfort and encouragement to him. Right? At baptism, we are led off into the wilderness just as Christ was led by the Spirit. The wilderness is the world of sin, the very world to which Adam and Eve was sent after their encounter with the tempter. As food was the focus of that first temptation and of the temptations of Israel in the wilderness, so it was here. The use of bread alone, quotation, takes us back to the merciful provisions of God. God called Israel with his word to trust that he would provide all their needs of body and soul. The second temptation takes us back to the events of after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, when the people complained that they had been brought out of Egypt to die of thirst. Finally, there was a temptation which recalled the rebellion at Sinai. The temptations began with the, began with the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day, right here preaching in his word, and moved to the first, you shall have no other gods. Here Jesus became both the faithful Adam and the faithful Israel, as he heard God's word, not the tempters. He did this to save us from our own adulterous behavior with the false gods of this age. And there's your connection to the sixth commandment. We talked about that yesterday. That uh, God repeatedly throughout the prophets um, likens um, sinful rebellion um, to being um, to being an adulterer. Okay, unfaithful to God. Good. Let's sing our hymn for the day. Draw us to thee. Some hymn seven hundred one. Unceasingly into thy kingdom. Take 
cross for her, thy glories share, thy saints and joint heirs make us. All right, we do have a commemoration today, so let me pull that up. Uh, it is Cyprian of Carthage. You're like, well, who is Cyprian of Carthage? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, there's a nice reading from Cyprian, too. Um, Cyprian, from AD 200 to 258, was acclaimed bishop of the North African city of Carthage around AD 248. During the persecution of Roman Emperor Decius, Cyprian fled Carthage but returned two years later. He was then forced to deal with the problem of Christians who had lapsed from their faith under persecution and now wanted to return to the church. It was decided that these lapsed Christians could be restored, but that their restoration could take place only after a period of penance that just demonstrated their faithfulness. During the persecution under Emperor Valerian, Cyprian at first went into hiding, but later gave himself up to the authorities. He was beheaded for the faith in Carthage in AD 258. Also known as the Donatist controversy. Good. We pray. Almighty God, you gave your servant Cyprian boldness to confess the name of our Savior Jesus Christ before the rulers of this world and uh, courage to die for the faith he proclaimed. Give us strength always to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us and to suffer gladly for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good. We pray the collect for this week. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised, make us love what you have commanded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. We also pray today, um, oh, not much, for the households of our church, that of Susie, Douglas, Dolores, Shirley, Jerry and Marla, Wayne and Mary. We pray in Thanksgiving for the installation and blessing of our teachers, for the accreditation given to us by NLSA, for co the confirmation of Matthew and the reception of Maureen into our fellowship. We continue to pray for all our newly enrolled catechumens, both in day school and after school. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Dan, Brad, Ron, Betty, and Heidi. Pray for our homebound Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. We pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of Anchor of Hope. We pray in intercession for comfort and adversity and true peace of conscience. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen.
Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. It's been a joy to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at about 9 a.m. Uh, I plan to be with you again tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, and we'll consider Sunday's um, Old Testament and Epistle reading. I'm thinking that maybe Saturday morning would be actually a good time for us to have um, the other Bible class that we've talked about. I've talked about the Thinking Deeply, deeply class. I know Saturdays can be a little hard, but um, maybe that would be a good time for us. Maybe not every every Saturday, but a couple times a month or once a month um, to have that time to gather together and to read something, um, not, not from the Bible, but something that would help us better understand ourselves, this world or the Bible itself, or the world of the Bible. Um, maybe that would be a good time to have that, um, other, rather than a weeknight, and then encourage others to join there. Yeah, Chris says in the morning. Um, Saturday's technically a day off, I guess, for me, but I don't really have a day off. Uh, I work, I work every day anyway, so I do take time off throughout the week, but yeah. So, I'm thinking of scheduling conflicts. Sunday's already difficult. Uh, weeknights can be challenging. It's hard to find a good time for such a thing. Uh, maybe we'll consider that. Okay. So, um, I hope to uh, see you in the morning. And we'll pray again to, and prepare for Sunday uh, then. So, God be with you this day and always. And we'll see you soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.